please join me in our responsive welcome. No matter who you are or where you are in life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. Stories of faith that connect us. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut or Colorado, the United States or Europe or anywhere in the world. Good morning. It's great to see all of you today. I'm really glad that I get to be here and to speak to all of you. Thank you, Sarah for inviting me and for working this whole worship service around what I was working on with this scripture. I was kind of dreading having this scripture and trying to write this sermon, to be completely honest with you. I found in my time at seminary that every time that I sit down to write one of these sermons, God has this habit of saying, hey, you're going to preach that? Okay, well, all week, you're going to live it. And the thing is that my prayer with God has always been a little bit strange. There's never been a point where I've been, yes, I have arrived. I am having the best prayer with God, and this is perfect. Every single time that I'm praying, there's something that's a little bit weird about it. I think that, oh, I'll pray Psalm, I'll pray through the Psalms verse by verse. I'll do one verse every night. And there's some nights where it's just like, nope, I can't read it. The psalm verse is not tonight. I'm not doing it. I'm going to do something else. And sometimes I just sit in silence and pray silently. And then there are other nights where I'm like, I really can't even just stick with one verse. I'm going to have to read, I need to read a whole gospel story today. And the thing is, here in the gospel of Luke, we hear a couple of things about prayer. And we hear a couple of things about God. I'm going to try to talk about them separately, but... There's no real way to separate those two things. First, I'm going to talk about the things about prayer. At the beginning of this passage, we're told that Jesus was praying in a certain place. A certain place. Jesus has been traveling everywhere. He's been going through all of these different scenarios and all of these places. But Jesus prayed in a certain place. This suggests to me that Jesus chose this particular place for the purpose of praying to God. It was a place that allowed Jesus to be more acutely aware of the presence of God and to give his full attention to God's presence in the world. And, you know, in this passage, the disciples respect this time. They wait until Jesus finishes his prayer before asking him something, even though I'm sure it was probably burning in their minds for much of the time that Jesus was praying because this question seems to stem from Jesus uh, Jesus's actions that's the word I'm looking for so then his disciples request hey teach us how to pray because you clearly you're having all of this prayer time you know how to pray so teach us how to pray so Jesus gives the disciples a template We'll talk more about that template later when we talk about the things about God. But suffice it to say that this prayer is a rote prayer. It's something that we can say 
when we just don't have the words for ourselves to put together, or maybe we're too scatterbrained to think about what we say. And this is a version of a rope prayer that I am very familiar with, at least, and I think many of you may also be, if you've been in a creedal church. Um, So this gives us the first thing about prayer from this passage. Sometimes prayer is well-ordered and scheduled, planned, and ritualistic. And then Jesus gets into this story about visiting a neighbor for bread in the middle of, ni- of the night to feed a traveling friend. This story suggests an unexpected circumstance and an honest petition seeking help from another. It puts the reader in the position of a beggar, forcing us to consider not only how humbling it can be to admit that we need somebody's help. And trust me, as a seminary student, I'm really broke. I have had to feel the humbling of asking other people for help and admitting I need help. But also, sometimes the anger that we feel if someone that we know can help us and they refuse in our hour of need because of a petty excuse of how comfortable they are right now. I'm sorry, I've already locked my door. I'm already in bed. I really don't want to get up and give you bread and I'm not gonna. It seems very hard. It seems very painful. I think this gives us the second thing about prayer. Sometimes, prayer is honestly asking God for what we need, and it can be completely unplanned and unprepared. We communicate honestly with God about our needs and our wants and what we want to hear right now, what we need to hear right now. We communicate honestly with God, and we are unafraid to let God know that something has gone sideways. In the book of Job, for example, Job cries out to God at the unfairness of his predicament, saying that he is righteous, has done nothing wrong. Why has all of his possessions been taken away from him unfairly? And he asks for God to come and tell Job to his face why all of Job's stuff has been taken. In the Psalms, the psalmists are unafraid to let God know when they're mad or scared, or hurt, or even experiencing a moment of doubt concerning their faith. Even those things that one would be most hesitant to bring up with God, they do. We are in good company to say honestly what we need to with God. God can take it. And like a parent, God loves us. Unlike many earthly parents, God does not need to pad God's own authority by punishing us when we say or do things that are wrong or blasphemous or against their will or challenging them. God will respect our free will and our choices and will patiently wait for us to come back. Well, sort of. Even as God waits for us, God also seeks us out. Also like a parent... God wants what is ultimately the best for us. Unlike parents that we know on earth, God truly knows exactly what is best for us. Unlike parents that we know on earth, God truly knows what is best for us and knows how to gently guide us there and knows how to do so in a way that still allows us to choose it instead of being manipulated to an outcome. 
But see, we've already jumped ahead to things about God instead of things about prayer. I told you this was hard. The first thing about God that we learn from this passage is that God is like a parent. Jesus uses the Greek term Abba that has been translated here as Father. It emphasizes the relationship that we have with God. God's relationship with us is loving and intimate. God loves us unconditionally. God is like a parent to us, and we are as God's children. God wishes for us to get along with each other. Throughout the prayer that Jesus offers as a template to his disciples, there is only Father and us. There is no I, and there is no them. Only Father and us. We also learn that God is one who makes things holy. In the phrase, hallowed be your name, there is an implied power of God to make something holy. And then it is turned such that God is making God's self holy. Perhaps we need to remember that God likes to play in spaces that we consider paradoxical. Your kingdom come. God's kingdom is not here. Not yet. But it will be. We put faith in God, that God will bring God's kingdom here. Not in human princes. We ask God to bring God's kingdom here because we trust in God. And there is no one else who can bring God's kingdom here. Give us this day our daily bread. God is a provider of sustenance. God is generous and gives to God's children that which they need and that which they cannot provide for themselves. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. This is a reminder of both judge not lest ye be judged and the parable of the debts in Matthew chapter 18 where a man has been forgiven for his great debt only to turn around and force someone who didn't have the means to pay a much smaller debt. From this parable, Jesus makes it clear, or from, from this parable and from the part of the template that we're looking at here, Jesus makes it very clear He fully expects his disciples to forgive all those who sin against them, everyone. And also reminds us that God is one who forgives. Lead us not into temptation. God is one who leads. God is one who guides. God is one who will listen when we ask things of God. Now let's get away from the template and go on to the story of the bread. Jesus points us to flawed human beings arguing from the lesser to the greater. Jesus supposes that the humans in this story do not rush to help each other, but rather seek to help themselves first. However, Jesus points out that even under these flawed circumstances, the neighbor can still be annoyed into helping. There is still hope even there. Jesus then argues that God is greater and will help us out of God's great love for us, and does not need to be annoyed into helping us. Besides, 
in the face of such infinite love, such infinite patience, and such infinite humor? What could we even do that would annoy instead of amuse? Even flawed humans know how to give good gifts, Jesus says. Even flawed humans do not make cruel substitutions. How much more does God know how to give good gifts? But that's not the language in the passage, actually. Rather, how much more will God give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? God knows how to give loving substitutions, ones that are better than what God's children ask for. Rather than just give what is asked for, God gives us the gifts that we truly need. Sometimes, that is exactly what we asked for. But many other times, we speak out knowing that we have need of something, but we don't know what that something is. But thank God, praise God, God knows us more intimately than we know ourselves and knows us more intimately than anybody knows us. As a parting gift, I'd like to share with you Psalm 139. It's one of my favorite psalms. And you might be surprised by what's in it. But instead of focusing in on exactly what the wording is, I want you to focus on how honestly the psalmist expresses their own feelings in that moment. How honestly they express their anger, their confusion, and their trust in God. And I think that we will be surprised at just what kinds of things we can say to God and still be in good company with those that have spoken already in our texts. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, 
I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before a single one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So go forth in peace. Know that God is with you Everywhere that you go, everyone that you are, it does not matter what you ask, what you say, who you are, what you believe, what you do in this moment, God's love for you is unconditional, and God's love for each one of us is unconditional. Go forth, and may God's love shine through you, so that others may know that they are also loved as much as you yourself are loved. Amen.